So here's to Cherry and to his right cheek. Pray God send our master a good piece of beef. And a good piece of beef that may be all see. With the walls and all we'll bring to thee. Wassail, wassail, all over the town. Our toasting is white and our ale it is brown. Our whole leaf is made of a white maple tree. With the walls and all we'll bring to Hello, thank you for joining us on Behind the Scenes with the Hanover Theater. This is Sarah Garofalo, and today I am joined by our production manager here at the Hanover Theater and Conservatory for the Performing Arts, Shaden Case. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. We are very excited to have you today. Um, so we have a lot of stuff coming up in the next few weeks. Um, our biggest production being A Christmas Carol. Um, our 15th anniversary production. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. And since you are probably the most behind the scenes person here, I wanted to see what life was like behind the curtain for you. Yeah, sure. So the the thing that's fun about this time of year is, uh, well, it's both fun and makes me feel a little crazy at times is how busy the stage is. So Yes, A Christmas Carol is coming in. And we just said, we just packed up and said goodbye to Nutcracker just a couple days ago. Um, but in between those things, we also have seven shows on stage, seven one-off, one-day shows on stage in the first 12 days of December, as well as a, a major private event rental on stage. Um, so building A Christmas Carol and getting it on its feet is really happening like in between other work this year, um, kind of as it always does. Um, and and that's a really cool process to figure out all of the kind of nitty gritty and ins and outs and when I need people here and how the work all balances against each other. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit of how long a load in takes and what a typical load in day looks like? Yeah, sure. It totally depends on the show. Um, you know, with A Christmas Carol, we're really talking more about it's a load in, yes, but because it happens in in pieces, um, we kind of call each one of those days sort of a different thing, right? Like one day is a lighting hang, one day is set build, one day is getting the um, flight track for Marley in the air, and then another part of set build day. You know, one day is wardrobe load in. So that one kind of works differently. When you're talking about something like a Broadway show, though, um, every show comes in saying, here's our estimate on how long we think this is going to take. And here are exactly the people we're telling you that we need to do it. Uh, sometimes that flexes a little bit, like depending on the venue. So we have a very short push from the loading area to the stage. Our loading door is on stage left, um, which means we don't need a lot of extra pushers, but we do have to deal with the fact that it's a ground load, right? We don't have a loading dock. We have a door that's street level. So we have to deal with forklifts and things like that. So some of those finer points flex a little bit in terms of the labor numbers, um, just based on who we are as a venue and what kind of things we've got going on. Um, but on something like Broadway, usually you're looking at, uh, you know, something like eight hours, um, for Mean Girls, we did 14. Um, for Aladdin, it will be more. And all of that has to do with how big the show is, how many trucks they come in and, and what they need to make it happen. Um, in terms of labor and who's here, we work with uh, the Local 96, which is a um, division of IATSE, the International 
what are they called? The International Alliance of Theatrical and Stagehands Employees. I should know what the A in IATSE stands for. Uh, but they're great. They're really fabulous uh, labor partners with us, and and they they make the they're really the ones who make the magic happen. Um, and so I work closely with them to figure out who we need every day that we're doing work. Cool. Yeah, it's a, I know it's a lot of work and I, I see you guys coming in and out all day. So I'm sure it's crazy. Um, but I know that you're working closely with some of the Christmas Carol cast this year. Um, the Ghost of Christmas Future in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a, a fun thing. I've been uh, doing working on our props for Christmas Carol for, oh, I don't know six or seven years at this point. Um, and I, I love it. It's a really fun part of my holiday season. Uh, and this year, sort of in props slash costume crossover world, um, we are completely reimagining the ghost of Christmas future. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about this or not and what it's going to look like and what it's going to feel like. Um, but uh, I, I am getting to uh, help build some of the spookier parts of the ghost of Christmas future um, that will really inform sort of what the actor is doing in the costume and with the pieces that we provide to him. Um, and, and yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun. That, that process means that I've worked, uh, you know, closely with Troy, our director, Gail, our costume designer and, and Ryan who works with her on, on building the whole, the, all the costumes for the show and also the actor himself to make sure things fit and work and feel right. Um, so we'll start playing with some of that, uh, pretty intimately this week, which is great. I'm really excited for that. I think that, um, everyone is going to enjoy the new aspects of the show and it sounds like a lot of work is going into it. So that's fun. Um, and that is December 17th through the 23rd. Uh, tickets are on sale now at the Hanovertheater.org. But I wanted to ask you about some of our past Broadway shows and, you know, just talk about um, maybe some shows that people really enjoyed or the biggest shows that have come to the theater that you've had to work on in the past. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's interesting because it's um, what makes a show big is um, is kind of different, right? Like some shows are heavy. Mean Girls was heavy. We had lots of conversations about the rigging um, and making sure that it was safe, right? That's that's one of the key aspects of my role. And, and one of the key things that we're looking for, both in a historic venue, but also generally speaking, just the, the work of technical theater um, is is dangerous. We, you know, we're moving heavy equipment. We're talking about you know, things are on motors that can lift two tons, right, um, above stage. And that all needs to be put in the air safely. So Mean Girls was a was a big one um, that came in eight trucks. Um, that's kind of the, the shorthand of what are we in for today is how many trucks does the show come in? Um, but the band's visit was big in a different way, right? The band's visit built a show deck um that was over our stage that was um you know six or eight inches high um you know above our our deck um all filled with automation pieces and a turntable and lighting um and electrics running through it um so that one was big for for a very um like quiet and like subdued sort of show the build on it was major. So it kind of depends. Um, you know, sometimes what makes a show big to deal with is just because 
people are tired or disorganized or or not quite or or they're new at their job or whatever, right? The, all of those factors make a show bigger to deal with than others too. Interesting. So it's all a case 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 by case uh or whatever, you know, show by yeah. show base. Um yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and so before we wrap it up, what has been your favorite show to be the production manager at the Hanover Theater for? Oh, man, that's a hard one to answer. Um, I'm really proud of a lot of them. I'm really happy to have been part of a lot of them. Uh, we're in a really exciting season, and I took this seat at an interesting point in our in our kind of history as an organization, right? Because we were just coming out of the pandemic, really, um, when I stepped into this role, um, really in earnest. So I was here uh, for our first sold out show after the pandemic, which was Bert Kreischer. Um, that one felt really special and important. Um, Band's visit was really special and important because I moved from the interim or acting production manager into the full-time or the permanent position that weekend. So that one feels special to me. And I thought that show was particularly beautiful. Um, a lot of them that come through um, are really special. I'm really looking forward. I've been working on A Christmas Carol for almost 10 years at this point um, in various capacities. I'm really excited to be responsible for making sure it gets on stage this year. Um, there's there's all sorts of different ones for different reasons that have felt special. Um, and it's, it's really a privilege of my job that it's different every day um, and that I get to, this business is the people you know, and I've met so many good ones. Um, it's fun to see people come through again on different tours. Um, so it's hard, it's hard to pick just one. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, you've been here for a while. You've seen a lot. So, but, you know, if you, if you've come seen a show at the Hanover Theater and you've enjoyed it, we have Chayden to thank. So thank you for all your hard work and everything that you do. Um, do you have any parting words or any last minute fun facts about a Christmas Carol? Oh, last minute fun facts about a Christmas Carol. Um, uh, we use five different types of snow in a Christmas Carol. Uh, so if you come see the show, see if you can try to figure out uh, which which five types of snow those are. Um, can you tell us one? Uh, I can tell you that there is snow on the buildings on set. That's one okay. of them. Okay. Okay. Yep. Well, everyone is just going to have to come and see for themselves December 17th through the 23rd. Um, our annual production of A Christmas Carol will be here at the Hanover Theater and Conservatory for the Performing Arts. Um, once again, Shaden, thank you for your time. We're very excited to have you on the show today. And everyone else, stay tuned for more behind the scenes. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you.
Hello, and thank you for listening to Behind the Scenes with the Hanover Theater. My name is Sarah Garofalo, and I'm so excited to be joined by the founding member and director of the Red Hot Chili Pipers today, Willie Armstrong. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm good. We're really glad to have you on the show today, and we're really excited for the Red Hot Chili Pipers to return to the Hanover Theater and Conservatory for the Performing Arts on Saturday, March 11th at 8 p.m., to get us started, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about the show? Hi, so I'm the one of the original members of the band. We uh, formed 20, well, by the time we get to the Hanover Theatre, it'll be 21 years ago. Um, I'm also a director. And the band is a, quite an eclectic bunch of musicians, all from Scotland. And we've all got music degrees, so every one of us can play. Quite a lot of us are multi-instrumentalists as well. We can play different instruments, but we stick to the the main instruments and it's more of a a show because we have light engineers we have monitor engineers we have front of house engineers and the audience is uh, from start to finish as has happened before in the hanover theater and conservatoire is uh, from the start to finish in the palm of your hands yes i know that you've been here many many times so we're we're glad to have you back um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your introduction to playing the bagpipes and how you got your start as a performer? Yeah, I was just, um, not long after my grandfather died in 1978, I was about 10, 11, there was a pipe band, uh, a bunch of musicians that, that played and practiced where, where, where I lived in the area. I decided I was really drawn to the sound of the Highland bagpipes because my father, my grandfather was a real heavy-duty Scotsman and he loved, he was so patriotic, so... Um, as soon as I first heard the bagpipes, um, I wanted to be involved, but they're such a hard instrument to master. In fact, they say it's actually the hardest instrument to master, so you have to you have to stick at it. Um, and I just, probably every piper you'll meet plays the instrument purely because they love it, uh, because it's so much learning to do, so much hard work. Um, and again, I'm so, obviously I do this now uh, with the Red Hot Chili Pipers, and I, I always think it's such a it's such a, a cool instrument because anywhere I go in the world, it, especially in America, there's lots and lots of bagpipe players there, and they all dress up with their uh, kilts and their uh, sporans or sporans as they call them in America, uh, and they seem to be quite proud of our heritage as much as we are. So it's quite it's quite a cool thing to do. Yeah, you see them every once in a while around here, so I think it'll be cool for you guys to bring your sound over here. Um, yeah. And I heard that you were a fireman for almost three decades. So did you ever think that your primary career would be playing in the Red Hot Chili Pipers? Not really. We all, quite a lot of firemen play bagpipes. I, I still haven't really got, I still haven't got an answer for that. I, I do a lot of charity work as well. Uh, and I've I, I done some stuff for the FDNY. And they've got a massive pipe bands uh, and loads and loads of firemen in New York play bagpipes and it's through it's through America and through Britain as well that a lot of firemen play bagpipes. I, I've no idea why you ask ask me to everybody can ask me that until they're blue in the face, but that's just one of the things. Um I used to play my bagpipes all the time in firehouses and the ones I worked at in Scotland and no the, the answer to the question is I never thought for a for a minute that I'd be able to leave the fire brigade and then go and tour the world playing my bagpipes because it was always for me anyway, it was always just a hobby. Uh, and I just love doing it, but then to actually have that as your main source of income and to be able to pay, pay, pay your bills just by doing something you love, you kind of pinch yourself and think I must be the, you know, one of the luckiest people on the planet to be able to do that. 
Yeah, I'm sure that was such a big change in your life and must be really rewarding. Um, and I know you have a lot of very high, high status fans. Um, and you played on stage with Ewan McGregor one time. I heard he played your drums. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, that was a big thing. It was, it was this, the story behind that one was that it was the, the perfect picture that never happened for our guitarist because Sir Paul McCartney was at the gig. It was a big Burns. They've got a big thing in Scotland and indeed England. Uh, actually, through the world, uh, Rabbi Burns, the, the famous Scottish poet. And we have a Burns Night uh, celebration uh, throughout January and February. We were down in London um, doing it for a charity and all the great and good. It was all the A-listers. Simon Le Bon, Yasmin Le Bon, Paul McCartney, uh, Ewan McGregor, Charlene Spiteri. They were all there uh, at the St Martin and the Lane Hotel. And we went along, we were there, and Ewan McGregor come up, so cool, such a cool guy. Uh, and he's just, he stays, he, he, his, fam, his family are from a place called Keith, which is not far from where I'm sitting just now. And uh, he said, listen, I used to play the, the snare drum in the, in the high school. Would I be able to play the snare with you? And I went, aye, definitely, no problem, that would be great. So we did, he came on, he played the snare drum, and obviously you can just imagine how well that went down with the crowd, uh, A-list celebrities. But in the middle of all this, Paul McCartney came up and he gave a thumbs up to the guitarist. I can't even imagine uh, what, what an honour that would be for any guitarist to have the thumbs up from Sir Paul McCartney. And it was such a cool picture that the sound engineer took the picture and once it was back in the day when it was digital cameras, uh, before digital cameras, so you had to get the, the actual thing developed. And then when we got it developed, it actually cut the head off Paul McCartney in the picture. So it was the, <laughs> it was the, be it was the best, worst picture ever taken, I think. Oh, that's awesome. You're going to have to bring it to the Hanover Theatre and show us. That's yeah, so yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, but what are some other... What other some other shows that you have fond memories of? Like, what was your favourite show to play? So that's a good question. I get asked all the time, and I'm I'm, I'm really careful in my answer because I don't want to say oh, I prefer playing there uh, as opposed to another place because I always think that's quite disrespectful from uh, the one that you've chosen not to be your favourite venue. But I've still got to say there are some standouts. We played um, the Fuji Rock Festival in Japan. I've never been to Japan before, um, just outside Tokyo. And that was just absolutely blew my mind. There was not only was it the biggest stage we were playing with the Chemical Brothers, a big huge band, and it not only was it the biggest stage I've ever played on, it was actually physically the biggest stage. It was like a cathedral, the actual you know, what they built there, um, but also the biggest crowd. There was like ninety thousand people um, there, and I remember they, you always say, <clears throat> "Do you ever get nervous?" going on and playing your instruments in front of all these people. And yet the, the answer, is, the stock answer is no, well, not really, because you always say you practice, you don't practice until you get it right. You practice until you can't get it wrong. You can't possibly get it wrong. So all these tunes should be like unconscious competence on your fingers and you shouldn't be nervous at all. But I remember when I spun round to start playing in front of 90,000 people, that <laughs> was, was a wee bit, you know, I try to catch my breath, so... Um, I, that was that was that was a cracker. Um, some of the ones, even like in America, that we've done, um, we do the Milwaukee Irish Fest every year, mostly every year, and that's huge. And they had us back um, in the in the actual festival grounds playing at their, their summer fest. So that was the day that I played with Neil Diamond and ZZ Top uh, overlooking Lake Michigan at the the art theatre, the art gallery at uh, Milwaukee. That was that was pretty special. Any gigs we do around about New York, I've a lot of friends, obviously, in FDNY, 
and I always think as well, and again, again I'm, I'm not being careful with what I say, I'm just being really honest. I think that the American audiences really dig uh, what we do um, because it's not just, not only are we you know, paying homage to our own traditional instrument and uh, dressing like a like Scotsman, but we're also um, taking care of the audience because we've not only just, if you try and ram traditional bagpipes down somebody's throat for an hour and a half, trust me, there won't, there won't be much of an audience left there when you're finished, but we also make sure there's a musical segue and it's more of a show and we put in some well-known rock and pop covers and that absolutely yeah, keeps the audience enthralled. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited. I think our audience is going to absolutely love it and love all mm-hmm. the songs that you play for us. Um, do you want to give us a quick little rundown on some shows? I mean, some songs that people might hear at the at the show? Yeah, so with ACDC, that's a big thing, smoking the water. Coldplay songs, I don't know what it is with Coldplay, but they seem to, obviously, bagpipes have only got one scale uh, and B flat, so you have to be careful because you can't shoehorn in every single tune that you're every song that you can think of, but Coldplay seem to do quite well uh, playing. Uh, we play their tunes in B flat, we don't have to uh, move it up or down a semitone. So, yeah, lots of different things. Queen, We Will Rock You. You obviously try and avoid, the trick is to avoid at all costs bagpipe karaoke. Uh, that wouldn't be very clever and I think the audience would see straight through that. And you also wouldn't have many musicians standing beside you on stage because they'd soon get fed up with that as well. So we, the, the trick is to try and get all these, uh, get the show flowed, uh, fluid and moving in the right direction and getting the audience from the start to the finish so that at the very end they're on their uh, on their feet, uh, clapping and stamping their heels. Um, but yeah, it's it's more than bagpipe karaoke. You have to trust me on that one. It's you have to come and see it and hear it to believe it. Well, I agree. I think that everyone needs to hop on our website right now and get their tickets. Um, once again, the Red Hot Chili Pipers will be here at the Hanover Theatre on Saturday, March 11th at 8 o'clock p.m. Tickets are on sale now at thehanovertheatre.org. That's theatre with an R-E, and they start at just $32. Um, well, thank you again, Willie, for your time today, and everybody else. We'll see you next week on Behind the Scenes. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.